the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. And as always, I'm joined here uh, in studio today with uh, Chad Turnwald. He's a member here at North Valley. Hey, Chad, good to have you back. Good to be back, Chris. I'm surprised you came back. I didn't think you would, but you did. It was a tough decision, but... (laughs) I'm glad you did. Not really. (laughs) And, of course, we have Sage back in studio, uh, not in studio, but on the... on his uh, cell phone here with us, hopefully, if the Lord blesses us with uh, his presence every program, that would be great. He always has great insight. I like to hear his thoughts on these passages, and he's going to be helping us with Philippians. Thanks for coming back again, Sage. Good to be back with both of you. So last week, uh, we, we didn't finish up the, the passage on Philippians 1 there. Uh, what was that? Verses... Uh, ah. 12 to 18, and I had cut us short by one minute. I don't know why. I thought we had to be finished by 26 minutes. It's 27 minutes for the radio program, so I uh, cut us short by a minute there. And also, uh, we were talking and discussing about this uh, before the program started. We're going to, if we don't finish, which we probably won't finish today, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 to 26, We'll end the program, the radio program, but we're going to keep recording, and we'll put the extra up on the website. So if you want to catch the rest of the story when we're done, and we probably won't get done on the 27 minutes, you can find it there. And, of course, if you don't know where to go to find it, go to www.ndcoc.net and click on that radio mic, and you'll find today's program and all our past programs right there and well, you can get that uh, live there or uh, recorded there. Okay, so I said last week we're going to let Sage uh, take the reins on this last section here, and he is ready to pour forth his thoughts and great words of wisdom from the last section there in Philippians chapter 1, 12 to 18. Take it away, Sage. Well, Chris, I'm so excited to uh, talk about this next portion of scripture. It is something that, that obviously applies to uh, to us as, as preachers of the gospel, but it, it really applies to everybody in, uh, in some kind of way. And uh, and I, I know that it's it's difficult when you're thinking about circumstances and how they, they affect our lives and ministry. And, uh, and Paul just has so much good application for us here uh, in verses 15 and following, uh, continuing on into that next section where he starts to talk about other preachers during the first century. Uh, He really is focused on what I believe is the theme of chapter 1. When you look at uh, the the prevalent terms that are found here in chapter 1, you see uh, that really there's this huge focus on the gospel. 
the word gospel is found nine times in the book of Philippians, but it's found uh, six times just alone here in chapter 1. And, and Paul is, is focusing on the gospel, and he's talking about uh, the, the Philippians' involvement in the gospel uh, and how they were helping Paul uh, preach and assisting him and their partnership with him uh, there at the beginning of chapter 1. Uh, and then he continues on to, uh, to start talking about how, how really the gospel can overcome our circumstances there at, uh, in verse 12 and following. Uh, that's kind of what, what we focused on last week when we were talking about uh, how there, there were certain things that were, that were possibly going to be getting in the way of, of Paul's ministry. Uh, you know, he was, putting it, he was put in prison and he was uh, uh, given uh, these unfavorable circumstances. And, uh, and he says in verse 12, I, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And, and what Paul is trying to get them to remember is that the gospel can overcome our circumstances. Now, I know that you, uh, that you both, Chad and, uh, and Chris, you know that, that things have, have gotten away in your life. I, I know that we talked about some of that last week, but we know that, that those things can be so, uh, uh, difficult to overcome, but, but I, I, I want us to focus on as, as we move forward, that, that not only can the gospel help us, or not, not only can the gospel overcome our circumstances, but the gospel uh, can overcome us as people. It can overcome our own flaws, because I believe that that's kind of what he transitions to uh, here in verse 15 and following. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verse 15 and 16 for us, uh, and I believe uh, we'll see how how Paul is focusing now on uh, really the imperfections of, of people and of preachers. He says in verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, uh, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. So what he's saying is that, that just like, like everything else, uh, the gospel uh, can overcome you know, even the, the own faults uh, of people and, and what we uh, sometimes uh, allow to get in the way, uh, just, just like everything else, uh, we want the gospel uh, to advance us at times instead of the kingdom of God, and I believe that that was a, definitely a temptation for uh, some individuals who were uh, starting to preach in the first century. Um, but Chris and, and Chad, what, what do you all think about uh, about the ways that Somehow, we uh, somehow and sometimes we see different individuals uh, preaching the gospel uh, for uh, really just the the advancement of themselves instead of instead of advancing the kingdom. How how have you guys seen that impact the church? Well, I mean, I, I've I've seen and heard of that happening here and there, and a lot of times I when I think I see. As being as what you're saying there, you know they're they're just preaching out of uh, you know to, to propel themselves. If they're preaching truth, you know as Paul says here, if they're preaching truth, I just keep my mouth closed and I don't say anything <laughs> and I don't try to do anything to help promote them either. I just let it be. Uh, if they're not preaching truth, and you know I just I may I want to make sure I get all the information first. I'm not just you know going in there guns blazing when I don't have all the the information. Those are difficult. That's a difficult question to answer. 
uh, it's one of those uh, 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 situational ethic questions almost because you know every every situation is different. You just don't know, and uh, right. And it's it's. But I see. I know what you're saying in general. It's sad. It's sad that folks do that. It's sad that there are uh, uh, men out there that preach for their own personal gain, that they're using such a wonderful free gift of God to try to give themselves a, I guess, more comfortable life in the here and now, and they're, they're, they're lost. They don't have a good focus. And they may be saying the right words, but their actions are far from the heart of Christ. Kind of like what uh, Jesus told his disciples about the Pharisees, do as they say, but not as they do. Talking about when they preach from the law, do it, but don't do it the way they do it. And uh, that kind of attitude. What do you yep. what do you and think there, Chad? You got uh... well. I agree with both of you. The only, the only <laughs> thing I would maybe add to that is to 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 know when someone's not preaching the truth. You've got to really submerge yourself in the word so you know and you can recognize when when uh, when that's happening. Oh, good point. That's right. Yep. And you know when Paul, he, what he's saying here is he's saying that it's not that their message is wrong. They're they're preaching the truth. What, what's wrong with what they're doing is their motivation. Their yep. uh, perhaps their attitude, even uh, and maybe even just their you know what what it is that's driving them to preach the gospel. It's not uh, it's not to further the gospel. It's to further their own maybe their own uh, reputation, their own influence. Uh, maybe trying to gather father followers of their own. And, and there's even some indication here that that some are. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, probably jealous of of Paul, uh, because it says here in verse 17, he says, The former uh, proclaimed Christ out of rivalry, not sincere, but uh, thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Uh, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Uh, so Paul definitely recognizes that the gospel... Uh, can not only overcome our own circumstances, that, Paul, that God can use us no matter where we are uh, in life, and uh, whether we're in the, the, the highest mountains or the lowest valleys, the valleys we uh, God can still use us in those circumstances, but also the gospel can overcome uh, flawed men who are uh, sometimes not preaching for, for the right reasons. Oh, um, absolutely. And when we, when we think about that, uh, that really should uh, help us to to realize how God is is working uh, in the world through His Word and uh, and how uh, the Word and the message will will prevail regardless uh, of the fact that the mess the messenger the the ones that God has commissioned to spread the gospel uh, are flawed and imperfect and uh, sometimes you know like like what we said have the wrong wrong motivation. Yeah, and I like what you were saying about. Uh... You know the, the, the gospel overcoming our circumstances. I, I think that's what Paul is saying here. He's he's showing the Philippians. Look, here is how you deal with these kind of circumstances in life. And in the case of these men who seem to be coming after me, well, are they preaching Christ? Great. Uh, I'm glad they do that. You know, they're doing it uh, out of pretense, but they're preaching Christ. And so, in that, at least something I can rejoice. Not in their motives but definitely in their preaching. Good point. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you ready, you ready to move on, or you got some more you want to uh, add in there for that passage? I think, uh, I think that's a good place to move on, Chris. All right, we're going to look at verses 19 to 26 now. 
as uh, Paul uh, has this transition there in verse 19, you see that word for there in the New American Standard. It's gar in the Greek. That's a, a transitional word. And he says there, starting in verse 19, for I know that this, that's going to be pointing back to what he's already written, that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope. And I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. I have a story I want to share with you. It's about a young man's fiance. She had broken off their engagement a couple of months you know, prior to the wedding. And uh, he received this uh, this letter I want to read to you. He received this from her about, about two or three months after she'd broken off the engagement. And I'm, it reads like this. Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Marie. Postscript. Congratulations on winning the state lottery. You you believe in her motives there, Chad? You think she's being sincere? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. She said she loved him. She said she wanted him back. But it was fairly obvious it wasn't him that she wanted back. She was willing to love him because he had lots of money now, and but once that money was gone, so, should, so would she. For her to live was the lottery. For her to live was the value of his wealth and the blessings that she thinks that would bring her. But she didn't really love him, and she didn't really want to live for him. Hers was a fair weather kind of love, right? As long as sunny outside, as long as things were nice, boy, she was there. But as soon as turbulence or trouble or difficulties and the storms of life roll in, she was going to be gone. Too often, I think we as Christians can respond to God in the same way. As long as God does what we ask, as long as he answers our prayers the way we want them answered, as long as life goes exactly the way we believe it ought to, then we'll live for him. But if not, well... Now, do you think Paul was a fair-weather Christian? Obviously not. I mean, look at the letter here. Here he is imprisoned, and he's still going. He has other preachers out there preaching out of envy, and he still rejoices. He's still keeping on, keeping on for the Lord. And so Paul, in this passage, is giving us a different look 
at Christianity. Not only is he under arrest, but there's that slight possibility that he might soon die. And he tells us there in verse 20, according to my earnest expectations and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will of you now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So, Paul is going to consider what might become of him as he faces this trial before Caesar. The circumstances seem to point to a positive outcome. He expects, I think, to be released. In fact, you you can see that in the tone of the letter. Quite different tone over there in 2 Timothy where he's in a second uh, incarceration and he has this idea that he's going to be put to death. And that's uh, what, what I think is going to happen there. And so... Looking there at verse 19, and when he says, uh, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The way we interpret and understand the word deliverance here is going to uh, affect how we look at this passage. It literally means salvation. The New American Standard uses the word deliverance, and it gives you this idea that he's talking about uh, uh, release from prison. I don't think so. I don't think that's what's going on. Um, The deliverance that Paul, I think, has in mind, well, it it doesn't have anything to do with his imprisonment or release. Some have suggested it refers to eternal salvation in heaven, but I think that he's quoting from Job, from this, if you look at, at the book of Job in the Septuagint, that's the Greek version of, of the Old Testament, verses thir- chapter 13, verse 16, there is, is an exact duplication of what Job wrote there. And I think Paul might be drawing a parallel between himself and Job. And just as Job was surrounded by his so-called friends who espouse a misguided view of his suffering, so too is Paul surrounded by those who are misguided about him. So I think it might be good to see here the idea of vindication. Job and Paul are saying the same things. Job was saying that whether he lived or died, he would be vindicated before God because he was righteous. Paul is echoing that belief about his own situation. And again, note that word, this There in verse 19, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance, salvation, or vindication. What's the this? I think it's got to be what he just talked about in the previous passage. You guys want to give some comment on that? Now, these these are my opinions here, so uh, take it with a grain of salt, study these things out. But what what do you think, uh, Sage? Well, I I agree with you, Chris, and I I believe that when you when you put that into its context, when you put that word deliverance, that uh, like you said, it's the same word that's used for salvation. When you put it in the context of what Paul has been saying throughout uh, the beginning of chapter one, and even what he says afterwards in chapter two, uh, he's he's talking about uh, uh, the advancement of the gospel, and he's talking about uh, how the Philippians need to bring their their good works to completion, and, he, and how he's confident in, in, in doing that in, in chapter 1 and verse 6. Uh, and then just like what you said in verse uh, verse uh, 15 and following, really just that, that whole section uh, talking about how what Paul is doing to overcome his circumstances is working out for the advancement of the gospel and how he's not allowing uh, 
He's not allowing these bad things that are happening happening to him to get in the way uh, of completing his good works uh, is is something that is ultimately going to uh, affect his own salvation. Now, when you look at just this passage, like you said in verse 19 uh, and following, he says, For I know that through your prayers the help of the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ that uh, will turn out for my deliverance. A lot of times what we want to say uh, immediately or think immediately, though Paul is, is praying, uh, Paul is having the Philippians pray for, for physical deliverance. I mean, you know, obviously he doesn't want to be in prison, so um, so he's he's wanting to get out of prison and he's wanting to uh, really just, just get out of this messy situation. Yeah, get out of prison and go straight uh, well, to go. Where, where there may... <laughs> I'm sorry? Uh, I was making a Monopoly reference. Sorry, where, I didn't mean to disrupt your thought. Some of, no, no, that's okay. No, so where there there may be some of that, uh, of course, I'm sure that the Philippians are praying for his deliverance, recognizing that he can do even more work if he gets out of prison. Uh, this seems to be focused on his uh, his own salvation, his own, um, his, his own dealing or working out of his salvation. Later on in Chapter 2, he's going to talk about uh, about the the Philippians working out their salvation and how really this section is is talking about about overcoming these circumstances so that that your good works aren't hindered and so that ultimately you don't lose your salvation because because of your circumstances and allowing those to overcome you. Yeah, you know uh, what? Uh, if you, I, I sorry to interrupt. I, I want to kind of I want to go back a little bit. So you've uh, mentioned something or hit on something you said. Or people think that here in verse 19, his deliverance is him being, he wants out of prison. And, and, I, and I agree, that, that can't be it. In fact, I know there's probably people out there listening to a radio program who, who probably think that way, or maybe your preacher says that, but I'm sorry to say it this way, but that's, that's kind of silly to think that way. When you think about Paul's situation in prison, Throughout the book of Acts, Luke lets us know his life preaching, going from city to city, was rough. Being stoned and left for dead, being chased, being threatened, everywhere he went, constant. It never ended. He was scared for his own life in Corinth, Corinth, and God felt the need to let Paul know in a vision, don't worry, you're safe. I have a lot of folks here, keep preaching. That tells us where Paul's mind was. He was nervous about what he was doing. And the, uh, in the book of Acts, as we looked at last week, tells us that he, he was in prison for two years. He had his own rented quarters. He could receive people. The people in Rome were receiving them. He was preaching the gospel to folks he could have never reached before in the Praetorian Garden in Caesar's household. It was great because who could harm him then? No one. <laughs> no one. I mean, he had to been living the high life in his uh, working in the gospel while he was in prison there in that first one. It was going great for him. Right. How could he want out of that? It was going so well, and the Jews couldn't touch him. Man. And, and, you know, and another, another thing to think about, Chris. Uh, sorry, did I, did I cut you off there? No, go ahead. Go, go, go. Uh, in Acts chapter 12, you see God deliver... Peter out of prison, you know, so it, it's one of those things that if, if God wanted Peter, or if God wanted Paul out of prison, couldn't God have gotten him out? <laughs> couldn't God have, have figured out some sort of way to, to break, uh, to break uh, Paul out and, and, to, uh, and to move on from there? 
Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes we get caught up thinking, okay, Paul wants out of prison, and, and uh, it, which doesn't make any sense, like what you just explained. But but God must want him out of prison, just like God wants me out of my uh, my turmoil, my my uh, my unfavorable circumstance. Uh, when in fact that's not that doesn't seem to be. Uh, what God wants for for Paul at all? No, no, no. We uh, we know what God's purpose is. Yeah, we we know what God's purpose is. It's uh, the Hebrew writer lets us know in Hebrews chapter two, verse verse ten. God's purpose is to bring many sons to glory, and Paul kept doing that, even in prison. As long as you are working for the truth, working for the gospel, moving ahead, God, I think, will always ensure that we are in a position. To further the gospel, to preach the word, and if uh, if, it, if we're being hindered to a point where we can't do it, he will see to it that we can keep on keeping on for him. He will bless us in that way, I think. And so he was in a position, Paul, to continue working, and God left him there. He works all things for good. That's so, so true. And I, I want us. To, we're at uh, twenty-five minutes. I want us to at least finish verse nineteen before we end the radio program. And so, Paul, uh, you know, for, before I go for it, a real quick, Sage, what version of the Bible are you reading from? I'm reading from the ESV currently. The ESV. All right, I'm using the New American Standard, so I'll help you out in your uh, readings I there. Have, I, actually, <laughs> I have that. <laughs> no, no, I, I like having... I have the New American Standard Bible pulled up on my computer right now. So I, I like got, having I the different, I like having the different uh, translations there, so I'm glad you have that. So this uh, vindication, or deliverance, as New American Standard puts it, but I like vindication, was dependent upon two things here in verse 19. On the prayers of the Philippians, as he mentions your prayers, and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. But how, how would the prayers of the Philippians help Paul's vindication? Now, it's, it's possible that Paul is thinking of the outcome of those prayers, you know, the Father sending aid to him at the request of the Philippians. But Paul could be suggesting that it is the knowledge of these brothers praying in his on his behalf that will sustain him through uh, during the, the trial, so that he will be encouraged to conduct himself appropriately. I think that's what's going on here with that. And I, you can, I want you guys to feel free to comment on that, but let me get to the next part, and then we'll get to the, well, we, we'll get to the comments afterward. So if you want to know my thoughts I'll, I'll, for all you out there listening to the radio on the spirit of Jesus Christ and everything else, you're going to have to go to our website, www.nvcoc.net. We're going to continue recording here, but we're going to have to close out the radio program as we're coming close to the time. So I hope you're enjoying the discussion. If you want to hear the rest of the story, click on that radio mic at www.nbcoc.net and you'll find the second half of this program there. Thank you all out there listening to the radio and God bless. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.